listening to the Maddox Podcast, hosted by the Maddox Real Estate Team. Jason Maddox, Jamie Abitia, and Katrina Pryor, presented by Painless Podcast. To learn more about our services, check out our website at maddoxrealestate.com. Welcome back. After a brief hiatus, the Maddox Podcast is back with more real estate and wine talk, focusing on our communities and the usual shenanigans you are accustomed to from our team. Today, we get you up to date on what our plans are for the podcast moving forward, introducing you to our new agents and getting you up to date on the latest market trends, such as if people really are moving out of California, the shift to a buyer's market, and how to best utilize your accessory dwelling unit. Hey everybody, uh, we're back and uh, we're doing our uh, final episode for this season and we're excited about next season because we've got a couple wineries on the uh, agenda for uh, for doing a podcast. We're going to do it up there and we've got Sugar Tooth, I think we're doing right, uh, from Hercules. We're going to have them on um, and we'd like to introduce our new agents, yeah. Amy Davis and Lisa Chilton. Yay! Yay. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> So, um, Amy and Lisa, uh, kind of tell us a little bit about your, you guys, you know, and your history and, and uh, real estate and what led you into real estate and all that good stuff. Well, um, I'm a, a local native, uh, born locally, raised, uh, been in real estate 20 years, have a background in property management, in training, and... That's awesome. I mean, you've been in the community forever because uh, yes. you, I mean, back when, was it Lucky's or Albertson's was it? <laughs> back in... Lucky when, Store 97. Yeah, when Trader Joe's used the to valley. be the, the Lucky over there. Yeah, I remember there used that. to be a Rexall. Uh, Wait, do you remember the Sandpiper? That was that was my place as a kid. It's right by Lucky's. There was a place called the Sandpiper. I would steal Duran Duran photos from the magazines. <laughs> I would try to sneak whatever candy I could fit in my pocket, and I'll never forget the little Sandpiper bird. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Back to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, that's great. And then, and Lisa, obviously, you've you've uh, been here your whole life. Yes. Um, you know, mom started real estate over 20 years ago. Oh, if, so. if we didn't say that, she is my daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, she's always encouraged me to, to go into business with her and, and to do real estate with her. Um, one of my first jobs was a receptionist at a prudential office with over 90 agents. Wow. Um, so I saw some good and I, I saw some bad and, yeah. you know, ultimately it wasn't something I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, at this point in my life, my mom's my best friend and I want to work with her every day. Oh, so. that's Yay. so sweet. Kind and it's a fun business, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, it's fun with us. Yeah. It's fun with us. Exactly. HR, yeah. We got to get the HR involved all the time. <laughs> we're always saying inappropriate things, but that's okay. I'm the new HR director. She's the new HR director, yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. And I mean, my brother who's behind the camera right now, he, uh, you guys went to school together and yes. grew up together. And, yes. Yeah. Um, since about second grade, we were really close. We took him to Vegas with us on a trip. Awesome. So, he uh, traveled with us. He yeah. traveled with us. We used to go to Marine World all the time, and That's... he was actually my boyfriend for four years, but I never told him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't he know. Tell him. Him. He never I knew. It. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's kind of get started here with it. We've got uh, a bottle of Alpha Omega, and Rob just realized this was not part of his shipment. This was a gift. And it's a really expensive <laughs> bottle of wine. Okay. And so let's talk about the wine a little bit. This is a 2019 Oak Knoll, um, Napa Valley, 100% Cabernet. I pulled the tasting notes on it. So it says uh, fresh and vibrant red and black cherries, cedar, molasses, leather, and venison. So just imagine all of that. I get that. Blend it up in a milkshake and you're just drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the palate, focused red fruits, sarsaparilla, savory dry herbs, and a seamless flow. It's good, right? Oh, this I is, took one sip and I was like, uh, that's way better than anything we tasted. It's really, <laughs> really good. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. It's not 100% Cab. It's 94% Cab, 5% Malbec, and 1% Cab Franc. Uh, the fermentation process, you guys are all interested in this, right? You want to hear mm -hmm, the fermentation absolutely. process, right? Yeah. 50% barrel fermented in 60% new and 40% one-year-old French oak barrels and 50% stainless steel tank fermented. The wow. aging is 20 months in French oak, 30% new, 50% one-year-old, 20% two-year-old barrels. Well, that ta that explains why it's so amazing. This is why it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm yeah. tasting 15% alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is really good. It's got some nice legs. And maybe some too. leather. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. cheers, everybody. Cheers. cheers. To real estate. To, to real estate. To our final episode and to our future episodes. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum. I like that. Yes, I got it. Awesome. It's like bad luck if you don't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. So I, I kind of wanted to uh, talk a little bit about what the market's done in the last couple of months. Um, we, we had this crazy, crazy market up until, what do you think, maybe September, August, September? Mm-hmm, and yeah. things just started slowing down. Mm-hmm. Like it went from a seller's, not a necessarily a sell, seller's market to a buyer's market, but it just kind of slowed down, right? And, and opened up more opportunity for buyers. And it know? was a very short slowdown, if you think about it. It was a short slowdown, right. So we went, uh, I mean, I had a property in Pinole. I thought hands down I'm going to get tons of offers this is going to be an easy sell you guys did the open house for it didn't get any offers and it was really strange and trying to figure out what's going on um finally got an offer we're in contract now but um we didn't get 10 offers like you know that the market was sort of speaking Mm -hmm. right at the time uh Jamie and Katrina put on a property uh and they started getting well let's first talk about your Kenny property so you had this amazing property in San Pablo Terry Hills Mm -hmm. area um, and it was just really unique and cool and had a, Very. yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. And then, and like your offer situation, how you felt about activity and things like that. Um, well, the house was really kind of a unique, um, property. It had an in-law unit in the garage and it had, or I'm sorry, in-law, yeah, in the garage, the built-in garage. And then the sellers built a workshop in the back, um, so it wasn't the type of property that was going to appeal to absolutely everyone, but everybody came through, just absolutely loved it. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Right. Um, it was done really well. Yeah, I remember right. the minute I walked in, I was like, uh, I, yeah. I love this. Yes. I, I, they're inspiring me. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so we got not as much interest as I expected, and I think that's just because The of, timing, right? Yes, right. it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, that week there was what, like 15 other properties that came on in Terra Hills that week. Yeah. If we would have put it on a month before, it right. could have been a whole nother story. Oh yeah. But it had it also factoring in was that temporary slowdown. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of good interest, everybody who came through absolutely loved it. Um, and we ended up getting two solid offers on it. Um, which I was surprised, like you, I thought we were going to get, you know, a bunch of offers. I think if we would have put it on a month before, we would have gotten yeah. more offers. What do you think, like five, six, seven offers? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't going to be for every family. Um, it was unique situation, um, and uh, but it was done so well. And we were lucky enough to get the right family in there who had those needs. Yeah. And um, went over asking. Yeah, that's awesome. And you got a cash offer, right? Yes, cash. cash. Nice. There's a lot of cash in the market right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. What are you seeing, Rob? Rob is uh, one of our preferred lenders, and uh, he has a lot of knowledge about what goes on in the market. So, well, I'm just seeing cash offers, especially on high price points. Like, I think there's people out there that have a lot of cash and see value in the real estate market still. And I talk about this every time we talk about the market. Uh, you know, we, my other friends, you see me talking with Valerie all the time drinking beer, and I kind of say the same thing. I'm like a broken record, right? But it's California is so far behind on housing starch that regardless of where interest rates are um, or inventory on the market, there's always there's this huge demand because the, the housing starts to, um, like, demographic or population of people that are ready to buy homes because they can they can see we've got this many people that are in this age group and generally this age group goes into the home the first time homebuyers it's like six seven to one so houses that become available to people that want to buy so take away the you know stimulating factors of the economy of super low interest rates people people being able to work from home um you know high wages here in the bay area uh, take all that away and you still have huge supply and demand issues going on right and so um you know, what I see happening in the market is a, a little bit of ebb and flow. And we saw like kind of an extreme situation happen, like I would say March through August, where prices were kind of going way, way, way up. But anytime something happens like that, a few things come into play. One is buyers get fatigued. It's like a marathon and everybody's sprinting like it's a hundred meter sprint, right? 
and people don't want to do that forever. And at a certain point, people go, I'm just going to chill. I, you know, right. you get burnt out if you go make nine offers and you're competing against 26 other people. Sometimes that was the case. I mean, I heard stories in Oakland of, of one house that had 41 offers on it. Wow. Like, what the hell, <laughs> right? Yeah. 41 offers. And then so people kind of pull back a little bit. At the same time, rates started to go up. And that affects, you know, buyer's ability. I think one of the reasons that, that spurred on buyers to, to, to go and rush to put offers on homes is one, there was a lot of flexibility as to where you could live. So all of a sudden, you didn't have to commute to San Francisco. You could, you know, live at home. Well, if I can live at home, that means I don't have to buy in a high metropolitan price point. We talked about Urban Sprawl last time we were on here. So how about if I go to Concord where prices are around 600,000? That seems a lot more affordable and I can work out of my living room in my pajamas, fantastic. Oh, and rates are two and a half percent. So my payment is way lower than than it would be in a normal market. When people start to see how low their payments are with super low interest rates, they kind of go, I need to take advantage of this and buy, right? Yeah. But it's, it's amazing, you push, pay, you push rates up 1%, which is almost the difference we've seen over the last six months, an increase of almost 1%. You push rates up 1% and it decreases buying power by significantly. I mean, if you're looking at a $600,000 home, you could drop that price 10% and with a 1% increase in rate, increase in interest rate, you have a higher payment at the lower priced home with the higher interest rate than you would at the higher priced home with the lower interest rate. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So this low cost of money spurs people on to buy. But again, people get burnt out because there's not a plethora of inventory because all factors aside, we have a shortage of housing uh, starts in California. And this is primarily because the government in California has not allowed for new builds very easily. There's a lot of environmental protections, a lot of rules and regulations to go around. If you want to go buy a lot, if you want to go buy a lot in Concord, Pinole, Hercules, Walnut Creek, etc., and build your own home, you would spend more money than it would cost to just go buy an existing home. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So the people, who are the people that can do it? Sino Homes, David Don, people who have tens and millions, millions of dollars and know how to do this and they can cut down costs and build 300 homes in one block away with a billion dollars. That's who can do it. Right? Not and it's really unfortunate. So there's some things that have been loosening up in that regards. You know, we can now build a lot of ADUs on single family homes with quite relative ease. And now recently a new law has allowed us to like convert single family homes and, and turn them into like multi-units, like full on duplex, triplex, fourplexes. So um, that's that's my current outlook on the market. And I think it all stems from that, that, that core thing, which is there is a huge housing shortage in California. Right. Yeah. For as many people that are leaving, there's probably yes more yeah coming there's not an exodus just, out of california yeah. i mean sure a lot of people are leaving people are retiring but it's not like you know there's not like a mass exodus yeah yeah you're right you're absolutely right yeah I mean, yeah you're hearing all the time people are like oh i'm out of here i'm leaving and, and mm -hmm. it's like oh everybody's leaving but mm -hmm. they're really not they're not <laughs> yeah we actually yeah. i spoke with an attorney recently with a client and you know he's a landlord and we california does have strict tenant laws and so he says, this is why everybody's leaving California. This is why I'm going to leave California. And a lot of people are yes. going to Texas or going to Colorado, you know, going sure. to Nevada. Idaho. And exactly. And so he said, you will be surprised how many of those folks eventually will come back. He said, spend a summer in a hundred degree temperature in Arizona. Spend a winter if you're not used to it. Uh, back east, you will eventually you're come back. back. You're coming yeah, back. If, you, if you've been raised in California, you realize why people are willing to spend the amount that they are for housing and why they're willing to stay here. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so he made it very clear to my client that that um, there's more people that are interested in buying. And unfortunately, are. they have a harder time getting back into the market. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, as easy as sure. it was. Try to, get, try to get sushi in a landlocked state. Yeah, oh, through that, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of advantages to living in California, and the climate is definitely a huge one. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. That's like oh, it's terrible. Point. I tried it one time, and I was like, this does not, it's not the same. <laughs> a lot of imitation crab. Yeah. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So we're going to we're gonna dive into house hacking with Rob. House hacking with Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of House Hacking with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you today by Alpha Omega. Yes. So, right. <laughs> and Trincaro. Yeah. And I just poured Trincaro. Just, yeah, let's oh, talk about Trincaro for a minute. You need some, you need some Trincaro. Okay. You need Tell some Mario's this. Cabernet. Well, I don't know much about this except the fact that I just joined this winery and I, I really, really love this. And I'm not a. So Ooh, I wasn't a huge. Can you tell us in your sexiest, smooth jazz voice? Like, yeah. It's well, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> well. Yeah. Where is Rodney um, when we need so, him? I know. So, uh, no. So we, we just joined this winery and I'm not a huge cab fan. Katrina's a big cab fan. I love this cab. 
It's really good. And, okay, well, and, and now I've just found out that I love this cap. <laughs> so maybe I am a cap guy and I just never knew it. Uh, you're a $150 bottle cap. You just kind of, you have expensive tasting caps. I have expensive tasting caps. Yeah. Um, but this Trincaro has got a, it's a beautiful winery. We're going to do, we're going to do a podcast up there uh, in our next season. Yeah, hopefully if they get back to us, which I, I talked to her and she said we, we should be able to do it. Um but it's just, it's a beautiful winery, and I, I enjoy the cabs. I'm not a fan of all the wines, but I love the cabs, and, of course, always a blend. So. You couldn't have said that until after she committed to us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. What do you think of Trincaro? Oh, so you, I, we were just there Sunday. What do you think of their, their wine? Oh, it's I love it. You do? Yeah. You're a cat. You love cabs. Yeah, it was great. So. I really enjoyed it. So this is called Mario's Cab. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's not a blend. It's Mario's Cab Cabernet Sauvignon, and... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring this on for um, and we do sugar tooth because because Joe's dad's name uh, was Mario and I think it's a would be a really cool uh, you know wine to drink during that but anyway okay so back to Rob house hacking with Rob house hacking with Rob okay um, okay so four uh, five years 2016 five five years ago when I was starting to look to, to buy a home right finally been in loans long enough that I, I could average my income and say you could buy something thank God okay so. My friend Brad said, you need to buy something with an in-law unit. And I said, I, I do? He goes, yes, don't buy anything unless it has an in-law unit. I said, okay. So he started showing me some houses with in-law units or houses I could add in-law units to, et cetera. And it really got me thinking. And I, I started looking around and I thought, nobody's really going after this in-law unit market. And so I would see houses that were selling in neighborhoods for not that much more than houses that didn't have, like uh, the ones that sold with in-law units, they weren't selling for a lot more than the ones that didn't. So the cost to build an in-law unit is more expensive than the value that you get. And this is still true today, even though that that delta is smaller. But the income potential is massive. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm helping people buy homes. People were buying, you know, five, $600,000 homes at the time with those interest rates they were having. 550 home was gonna give them a $3,500 payment. It's lower today because lower interest rates. I thought, there's no way I want a $3,500 payment. No, I want to be able to like have a life. I don't want a $3,500 payment. And so um, I started looking for single-family homes with, with ADUs. And I was focusing on Concord because it was an affordable area to live. And Who was your agent, by the way? I didn't have an agent. I did. Oh, you were my agent. But I started. Okay, so I, I started out <laughs> without an agent, just looking and putting the word out, and that got a little complicated because there were yeah. a lot of agents. And when it came down to it, I uh, trusted Jason. He's worked in the Concord market a lot, uh, and I knew he would represent my interests well. And um, and we found the greatest house. We did. I love your house. And so I started working with Jason. It was a really good experience. But anyway, so I I had sent a letter to um, every homeowner in Concord that had an in-law unit. At the time, there were 52 homeowners in Concord that had, huh. said I wanted to buy your house. Well, no responses to the letter. Can I interrupt you right there? Where did you go on public records to, how did they do that? Do they say um, residential, single family residential with? So I've actually got to give a little bit of credit to my friend Taylor. So at the time, I, I put the, when I put the word out, people started to like search for homes for me. Yeah, and my friend nice. Taylor, who at the time was working for the Nancy Bennett team, who's really big in Concord, said, um, let's pull it, let's go to the title company and have them pull everything that has single, you know, ADUs and we'll mm -hmm. send it to them. And they were able to do that for us. And I don't know if they contacted the city, but anyways, they sent out 52 letters mm -hmm. and wow. we got no cool. responses back, but it was a very cool tactic. And I was like really impressed by that. But I, I, um, I still had to look. So like every, every time you look on the market, there might be like one home for sale with an ADU, maybe, right? And sometimes they would go for an outrageous amount of money or they would be overpriced because sellers really highly value this because they see the value in it. Mm -hmm. You don't really see the value in an ADU until you don't have an ADU, honestly, mm -hmm. you don't, right. right? And so I had tried to make a, an offer on a home on uh, Lolita Drive, which is in Monte Gardens, and they wanted 650000 for this house, way overpriced. But it was hard to comp it because there weren't other homes. They had a huge inline. It was like 1,000 square foot inline. Wow. It was wow. Like a duplex. You know, so I was going to live in the inline. It was gorgeous. It had a big old island peninsula kitchen. It was amazing. Yeah. And I was going to rent out the front house, which was a dump, you know? And I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm all, yeah, totally. I'm all good with this, right? <laughs> well, they wouldn't accept my offer. It had been sitting on the market for like 45 days, and I was coming in low. I kept going at it, you know, like stabbing at these different price points. How about this? They wouldn't even counter me. Like, I'm going to reoffer at this price, reoffer it, and I just could not get them to budge. Eventually, they sold for what they wanted. So, anyways, around the corner on Granada Drive, Granada runs down Lolita Village, these you know uh, streets running across. This house had fallen out of contract. And so, Jason and I went to go look at it. And when we were there, the owner came out. Uh, his name was Pete. 
and he was probably like in his 70s. He was retiring, he wanted to move to Santa Cruz, owned his house free and clear. Excuse me. And so I said, Pete, what's going on? He goes, well, I was in contract to sell this house and the appraisal didn't come through. It was an FHA loan, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was using a conventional loan and I said, well, Pete, I'm a lender. I, I have a panel of good appraisers that I use locally and I can tell you that, that I think this house will appraise and you won't have a problem if you take my offer. And I want to buy it today. Nice. I've been looking for, and I, I just told my story, you know. I walked through it and it was a dump. Popcorn ceilings, had linoleum on the floor in the second bedroom. I love it. Because Yes. 30 years prior, when his kid, when his son was a child, his son had allergies and so they couldn't have carpet in his bedroom. So they had Star Wars shower curtains as the window curtains, which we kind of do. So how do you kept those? There's yeah. linoleum on the floor. And yeah, I remember was, that. It was, it was, it was atrocious. It had like yeah. turquoise tiles in the bathroom. It had, it was super dark. There was no recessed lighting. It was, it was very, you know, people uh, give a lot of shit to popcorn ceilings, but they are very good acoustically because sound dies. You clap and it just doesn't go anywhere, right? But anyways, we eventually got rid of all that stuff. So I made my offer, 555. He was asking 554. Yeah, 555, 5,000 back because I wanted a little closing cost assistance. Mm -hmm. He got five offers at that time. One was all cash. I wasn't the highest offer. So he countered me, right? Mm -hmm. And this counter said, I like everything on your offer, but I want you to, take all my furniture. I don't want to move anything out of the house. And we're good to go. I said, done. Yeah. Amazing, From right? From the man with Star Wars. So this guy ignores Shower cash curtain. offers, other offers that are above mine, says, I'm going to take yours, but take all my stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. really? So I, I, I moved into a fully furnished house, which is great because I moved out of a two-bedroom apartment with like hardly any furniture in it. Right. Amazing, right? Yeah. And I didn't care that the furniture was like from the 80s. It was fine. It was yeah. functional. It worked for me. I was a bachelor. Um, That's the key word. I got married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it, didn't work. <laughs> and then it all went out the door. Yeah. So I started to rent out the inlay unit. There was an inlay unit above the garage, and it was like this apartment that he had built in 1985. So he got a divorce from his wife, and at the time, he didn't have enough money if they split their assets to go and buy something on his own. So building this inlay unit was his way of you know staying home. So he stayed in the inlay unit. The wife got remarried, and so his ex-wife and new husband and child lived downstairs, and he lived upstairs. That's crazy. It feels very demasculine. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, like, hate that situation. Yeah. He totally rocked it, right? Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I started renting this thing out for, like, 1600 bucks a month. And, um, I don't know, a year later, it was vacant. It was vacant for a week. I rented it out again for 1500 Rented out for two years like that, just long term, just paying off a chunk of my mortgage, refinanced, my payment went down. It was paying over fifty percent of my mortgage at the time. Oh, that's and then, nice. Yeah. And then when when the the last person moved out, it was June of twenty twenty. And I said, you know what, I think it's time to remodel this thing. It was ugly. It didn't have an oven in it, it had an electric coil stove. It had like a lot of funky things in it. It just the whole layout was weird. No AC, gets super hot in Concord and it's upstairs. Mm -hmm. I was like, this has to change. So my neighbor, Dom, shout out to Dom, great contractor, did a full remodel on this thing. We took the bedroom, which had this weird opening, turned it into a full actual one bedroom with a pocket door, redid the bathroom, put in a washer and dryer, put in an island, did this beautiful kitchen, full oven. I mean, put in a mini split AC it's system. It's super nice. It's gorgeous, retextured, yeah. painted, recessed lightings. I mean, it's like to the nines, right? I spent about 50, 60,000 on it. And I thought, I've kind of overspent for this thing, right? Now I can rent it out for like maybe two grand a month, or if I'm lucky, like, get a travel nurse in there for 2400 So I was trying for like two months to get a travel nurse in there, and I the, the stars were not aligning. I just could not get a travel nurse in there. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw it on Airbnb. It was already furnished. I'm just going to see how it performs on Airbnb. Immediately, within two days, it's booked out for three months. I was like, wow. Because wow. that's a long-term Airbnb. No, like just multiple people booked it. Oh. One guy booked it for like a little over a month, so oh. he was long-term. But okay. So was he traveling? What was, what was his story? Do you know? Yeah, he moved here from Virginia to take a job with Budweiser. And he needed a okay. place to live away from a place to rent. So anyways, fast forward like six months, I'm making three to $4,000 a month consistently on this year, on this ABU, Airbnb. It's constantly booked out. I just had somebody book for five days. No, no. I'll be selling my Wait, home. Ten days. In, yeah. <laughs> I might buy that duplex. Ten days in November, right? He just booked for ten days in November. I just got the notification today. Thirteen hundred bucks is what I'm getting at for ten days. So, anyways, it's now completely covering my mortgage payment, and I live in the house. I live there to cover my mortgage payment. That's awesome. So, with the new laws, I'm going to build another detached. ADU in the backyard. ADU stands for additional dwelling unit. It's a 12,000 square foot lot, which is pretty large, but this used wow. to be officer's housing because it was next to a naval base. So the officers had these big lots, ranch houses, big lots. So I'm going to put a fence down in the middle of my backyard, put a detached studio, one bedroom, whatnot, ADU in the back, 
private walkway back, et cetera. Airbnb, same thing. I think I'll probably get around 3000 a month for it. Um, and then I'll rent out my main house. When I finish all of that, that home is going to cash flow by $6,500 per month. Crazy. Wow. And I put down 25 grand when I bought it. That's yeah. Correct. Because my friend Brad said, don't buy a house unless it has an ADU on it. Uh -huh. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Yeah. Brad. So the idea of house hacking, okay, you can do this in many forms. Right, exactly. Do, so how does how, how does it, somebody who's listening right. be able to So how do you do this? Okay. One, or with the home, sorry, or with the home that they're purchasing. Right. Convert it. To, to add it or convert it. Like, let's say some folks with a single family, perhaps, maybe, I mean, not single family, a one-story, but maybe even a two-story. I've seen where additions are over the garage with an exterior stairwell going over, up. That's how mine is. Okay. Over the garage is really a great way to Is do it an attached garage? Yes. Sorry, HR. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, an, it's an attached garage. That's a great way to do it. You can also do a Fannie Mae Homestyle Renovation Loan, which my company offers, and add one. And there's kind of a trick to it. So if you have the ADU that has interior access, it can be counted in the GLA, which stands for Gross Living Area of the Home. That means that the square footage will be counted towards the value in an appraisal when compared to other you know, homes that have sold recently. If there's no interior access, it cannot be counted in the GLA. So what an appraiser has to do is strictly rely on other homes that have sold with in-law units. And a lot of appraisers, unfortunately, are a little bit lazy when it comes to this yes. because in order to get good data on this, they have to go back about eight years. And, if, and they can do this. It just takes them about an hour or so. Pull eight years of homes that have sold with ADUs and eight years of homes that have sold without ADUs in the same area, zip code, city, whatever it is, right? And then compare all the three twos against all the three threes, whatever it is, and go, okay, on average, these homes are selling for, you know, whatever it is, 7% higher if they have an ADU on it or $80,000 more of an ADU, right? And it's called a regression report. So we can see a, a, a trend and we can see how much more people are getting when they sell a home with an ADU. That's how you do this. You don't look back and go, I found one comp a year ago that has an ADU. That's not enough data. That's right. really, that's way too my, you know, micro. So anyways, that will give you the data. So when I had my home appraised for my, my refinance, I wanted to get rid of um, mortgage insurance and then take a HELOC. So I needed a good appraisal. So I reached out to my friend Anthony Young, who's just a genius when it comes to appraisals. He owns his own appraisal company. Mm -hmm. He speaks all over the country on this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I uh, offered to pay him. He did this for free. He's really nice. He put together uh, all these regression reports, but one of them was for ADUs. And I got this appraiser that came from like Stockton, and I was like, are you sure you know the area? He's like, no, I do a lot in Concord. I was like, great. I want you to use this regression report for adjusting for my ADU. And he goes, oh, this is amazing. And he did. And my home value came in at 690 and this was like two years ago. Well, right? Yeah. My home was not worth six ninety, but uh, that's what you're going to say. That's awesome. But that's how you have to go about it. So house hacking. How can you do it? I, I'm sorry, I get like off track here. No, so here's good. what, as a buy, like as somebody who's actually quite interested, here's what I would want to know: is what does the cost look like to add something like that? Whether it's yeah, a, for a, a detached ADU or an addition to an existing. Okay, property. so I've been looking into this. So I bought a house, another house in Concord, where I'm doing this, and I'll tell you exactly what I'm spending on it. Okay. So it had a basement that was dug out. So you know, you could say to dig out the basement, you probably got to spend twenty grand to do everything that's done down there. It's just rough, you know, all that. Legal height or no? Uh, it has to be dug down another foot. Okay. And then it will be. So I got that permitted. That's going to cost me about $70,000 to finish that out. The basement. And the basement. what's the square footage? Eight, but of that, it's going to be 500 square feet. But there's going to be a bonus area. You can have unpermitted bonus area. It's not counted towards the gross living area on permits. Right. And it's just going to be like a living area, like a bedroom, et cetera, whatever they want to use it for. Um, so it's going, to, it's going to be closer to the footprint of the house, which is 860 square feet. Okay. That's awesome. That is. For 70 grand. We could do that with some of these places around here, the old houses yeah. that have basements. You can. I'm doing a detached ADU in the back that's pre-manufactured through my friend John Wignall. And that's going to be 200000 including the utility hookups, which is amazing because utility hookups alone can cost you a fortune. Right. Yes. Um, and so that's going to that's gonna be bigger than the main house. I rent the main house for 2600 a month. So I think I'm going to get... Twenty-seven fifty. I might Airbnb that thing, but when this is all done, I think that that property is going to cash flow by around four thousand dollars a month, maybe more if I wow. do Airbnb on some of those units, yeah. which is my plan. Um, so, but you can build a studio in-law unit for around one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, detached or attached. And that's just the that's a reasonable budget for that. And I'm looking into a different setup where you could build a tiny home. You know, maybe it's 380, 400 square feet. 
and you can buy these kits at Home Depot for twenty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't include labor, for, of course. Ti- for tiny homes, for you tiny can, homes, you can buy. The you kits. have to get the plans drawn for them. You have to get the engineering done. You have to get title right. twenty-four. Right, you have to have the sewer. You have to add solar, most likely. Mm-hmm. I have to find out if it if it qualifies for pre-manufactured. If it qualifies for pre-manufactured, you get an exemption under the the solar requirements mm-hmm. in California for a new build, uh, and put it up back there. So I'm going to look into that for my for my backyard ADU, and I'll update it. You know. Um, and what would you say the timeline is to, you know, for that to recoup your expenses based on the calculations? Sure. So um, I think I'm going to recoup all my expenses within 10 years on mm-hmm. the Almond Avenue property. And I'm going to put all the money towards the loan and pay it off because I want to have that just generate a lot of cash for me every month. You know, mm-hmm. I, I estimate that by the time I pay off the mortgages, I'm going to be pulling in about $13,000 a month. Nice. Um, gross. You know what I mean? And, okay. and after property taxes, I'll probably take home 11 of that. You know? mm-hmm. So insurance. Um, but I think I think around $100,000 is a reasonable budget. But it depends on the layout. Some of these layouts, it's very easy. If you have a garage, if you have a good garage, mm-hmm. you, a lot of areas you can convert your garage to a, a junior, what they call a junior attached ADU. Yeah. And that's your ADU. And that's not very expensive. I mean, right. you, know, you build up a nice floor. You may, may have, maybe you have to insulate it. You've got to bring down the ceilings a bit. You're, you're talking about in the garage, garage right? In the garage. But that's like, that's what Kenny did, right? They had my garage idea. has my sub panel in my garage, so electrical super easy. My garage has a water unit, so so plumbing super easy. You know what right. I mean? It's got all the hookups. Like it would not be too difficult to convert my garage into a little studio unit. Right. And people can do that. And I find that a lot of times. There's multiple ADUs on my street on Garage Drive where you look and they've turned the garage into a bedroom suite that they rent out. Mm-hmm. My friend Brad recently bought a home in Walnut Creek for one point eight million dollars. It had a tiny little like not even three hundred square feet studio that was like kind of semi-attached to the garage. I think it took some of the garage space. And then he's got another detached ADU, and together he brings in over 6000 a month on those things, on those two. Wow. With uh, with the gas line for stove. And Everything, yeah. After. So, and so little, he's almost covering his entire mortgage payment on a $1.8 million mm-hmm. home because so he's living for free in a luxury home, in a luxury area. Yeah. Like yeah. that's my ultimate goal. Brad is one of my, yeah. yes, I'll send this to Brad. Your real breath. Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. We converted our um, our garage not into a full on studio, but we have like little carpet. It's it's cliffs. It's my husband's um, apartment. His, his we call apartment. it the apartments yeah. right off of the kitchen. It's the garage, but that's his. That's it's a cool his space. space. The yeah. kids they play video that's games, cool. and it's just yeah. it's really nice. Now we don't have it. You know, we don't have the stove and the bathroom and shower and everything else like that. But it's yeah. interesting. It's a huge space when you think yeah. about a two car garage in terms of. Well, that's important. I mean, yeah, I want to turn my garage into that. So I want to have right. your husband over to my house and help me design. Totally. <laughs> but if we upgrade it, I might kick game. him out of his apartment <laughs> and then rent that. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's a great option. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. And and so, and you're doing this, uh, these, you, you met with Amy and Lisa and, we, and discussed this type of yeah, we're doing do little, something like this going forward with clients. We're doing actually. a webinar and we're going to invite people. We're going to advertise it. Uh, I did this with the team in Oakland too. And we call it house hacking. And there's other ways to go about this. You know, you can use an FHA loan to buy a duplex with three and a half percent down, really minimal. A lot of people have that money sitting in their retirement account. They don't even know they can access it for a first time home purchase, which is amazing. Right. You can buy a three to four unit property with 10% down in some situations. Um, so there, there's a lot of scenarios where we can get you in as a first time home buyer into a scenario where you're generating rental income on a home that you live in and offsetting your mortgage payment by a significant amount every month. In fact, I have a home coming up for sale in Oakland soon. Hoping to get between 900 a million for it. I think that's where it'll land. But the ADU on Airbnb, because I ran Airbnb comps on this, will generate 3300 a month. If you buy that home for what I'll be selling it for, your payment on that home will be less than what it would cost to rent a wet bedroom apartment in this area, and you'll be in a full two bedroom, two bath, newly renovated, beautiful craftsman home. Yeah, that's great. And one thing that you have to take into consideration: there's some cities that do not allow short-term rentals, so you have to. Yeah, you got to be aware of that. I have a a, hopefully a duplex coming up um, in the next few months in Sonoma, and the city of Sonoma does not allow short-term. It's unfortunate. So the city, so that's 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 interesting. So the so are the cities now kind of cracking down on this? Has uh, some really loose short-term rental guidelines. I think they don't allow for less than a four-day stay or something like that. And I've heard a lot of people say they don't even like abide by it. It it depends on enforcement. Mm -hmm. Like some places, if the enforcement's not strong, Airbnb will let you list this unit, right? But if the city comes and notifies Airbnb that your unit is in violation of their rules, Mm -hmm. Airbnb can ban you from the platform, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
and you get in a lot of trouble. But some of these places I've heard, like I've heard in Oakland, like that they just don't enforce or regulate this kind of stuff. Yeah. So people are doing great things on Airbnb. Sure. But Sonoma, it's interesting. You brought something the other day, and I thought I was thinking I didn't realize the city had additional rules because I've done a lot of research on Sonoma County rules mm-hmm. that you told me, and I read about it afterwards. Yeah. Sonoma City, like in 2016, like started banning short-term rentals. I hate it. I think it's unconstitutional. I think like the, I think I think they need to go like like sue these you know and take it and put it all the way up the appeals again. The Supreme Court say no, you can't tell people what they can and can't do with their because sure. it's like I kind of agree with that. I think it's yeah. I think it's their property. I think it's an yeah. encroachment on like on like just personal freedoms and. You but know. with them being such a tourist destination, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. that they do that. Yeah, that, they want a bigger piece of the market. right. Yeah, right. and like who who's to gain from this? Uh, people with transit authority permits, like motels and hotels, mm-hmm. and they have big money, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you look at South Lake Tahoe, there was this huge push saying that local residents didn't want Airbnbs, which is a total bullshit lie. They did want Airbnbs because a lot of the local residents generate they money from certain absolutely from them, right? absolutely their Airbnbs, and a lot of the homes that they're owned by non-local people. It was really the um, big money from the casinos and like Harris and all these other places that were kind of pushing this false narrative and putting flyers around town and showing up at council meetings saying, you know, we don't want this, et cetera. And they pushed to have this like this really restrictive short-term rental board overseeing Airbnb permits. And then it came out that all the money behind it was from big casinos. And now that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's all messed up. Like, so, yeah. so they can come in here, you know, big mafia money, cause that's who built Vegas. And I'm sure some of that came into South Lake Tahoe can come in and build a, you know, a 400 unit hotel with a casino and, you know, make you lose all your money, gamble it away and, and chain smoke cigarettes while you're doing it. But you and me can't go up there and buy a nice little condo or a house on the water and rent it out to people that want to come up and stay for the weekend. Right. Why? Yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm actually quite interested. You have um the refineries, you have Kaiser, you have yeah. really large industries with traveling right. folks. Yeah. Um yeah. And they need places to stay. So I wonder why Sonoma. Like what what's up in Sonoma that they did that? Is it the is that they, casino up there? It, it could be that. That's very likely. It could be that maybe the city wants residents, right? All the residents leave, you mm-hmm. lose a sense of I don't want to say maybe culture or, you know, history and having families that have stayed in the area for, you know, it's a community. You lose a sense of community. There's an idea that if it's renters, they don't keep up the property as well as people who live and own in in a home. Um, So there could be, you know, various factors, but, uh, but it's a, it's a wonderful duplex. Um, Hopefully we'll be on the market maybe in spring. Uh, so if anybody's interested in a duplex in Sonoma, <laughs> shout yeah. out, shout out, shout Linda, out. Linda. All these things are distractions me. from like the real argument, like like mm-hmm. the whole renter thing. Like short-term renters take usually really good care of the homes because exactly. like on Airbnb, yeah. your identity yeah. has yeah. to be verified and you can choose who rents from you because based on reviews. So if someone wants to rent from me, I can say, no, I don't want to rent from you because you have bad reviews or you have no reviews. You know right. what I mean? But like I've got a guy, Joseph, staying with me in November. He's got five five-star reviews. His identity is verified and he lives like four yeah. hours away. So uh, Airbnb. Airbnb and VBRO and all that stuff, or VRBO, yeah. they they rate the client too, or the tenant yeah. as you, well. You rate each other, and then yeah. your ratings become live after you each finalize, you finish okay. your review, so it's all independent. So people easy. know, like if you're a, a yeah, like I have four point nine two stars, and I'm a super host because I treat my people well, right? Yeah. And the people that treat me well, I leave them five star reviews every time. Mm-hmm. Right. Communicate well, clean. Yeah. It's like an Uber for homes. Exactly. <laughs> so the idea that people are going to come in and like make a ruckus, do this whole thing, it's it's just it's it's I think it's fear mongering, honestly. Like right. this whole thing that happened in Orinda where somebody got shot. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Right. Like regulate it. Say don't let don't rent to people who don't have good reviews. I mean, people who have good reviews and everything, right. they want to protect their reputation. Right. Right. They, yeah. They do. Yeah. I get. I have, I've had good experiences. I've had very rare instances where I had people that didn't really respect the house, mm-hmm. and they weren't throwing parties. They just weren't super clean, and they they broke some furniture and stuff like that. Like I got through it and fixed it. But did, and did they have good reviews though when you rented it to? No, them? because at the time, and I actually have to still change the setting. I was allowing. I allow for auto book, so people can instantly book. So I don't need to verify them. And I, I think I'm going to change that because I've had two experiences where people auto booked with no good with no reviews, and they didn't turn out to be good tenants. Mm-hmm. Have you they were there for two days? But, Rob, excuse me, have you ever had um, experience with renting long-term investment properties? Yeah, so I got the house I bought on Almond Avenue um, in Concord near the uh, John Muir Hospital. I rented out the main home, which is a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, long-term. And what I did is, because during COVID, there was a moratorium on evictions, people could stop paying rent, you couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. about it. 
So it's a very scary time to go in and look for a long-term renter, right? And that price point attracts a lot of people that don't make a lot of money. So you got to be right. especially careful when you're renting out people because their income may be more vulnerable. They may not care as much about, you know, things like the, their debt. Because the other thing you have to look at is when you're renting people, a lot of times people are renting because they can't buy. So does that mean they don't have good credit, right? So I would require a full background check, credit report, three references, and income documents. Because I'm a lender, I can review their debt to income ratio. I can see if they, and I wanted to see that they had reserves, sufficient income, et cetera, right? And I had tons and tons of applicants, right? And I wouldn't even show the property unless they applied. Um, and so when it came down to it, I had some people that would, they, they wanted to move into it. I had one couple that lied to me about the situation and they, they had their mom co-sign, but they said their mom was going to live in the property with them. Mm. I did some research based on the mom's application. She bought a home six months previously. It was beautiful, 10 minutes away. I said, there's no reason you're going to move into this old place. You know, right. so I called them out. I said, your mom's not going to live here, is she? No. I said, well, here's the deal. I'm not going to rent to you because you lied to me. But I'll tell you what, if you hadn't lied to me and told me that she was just guaranteeing your, your rent payments, yeah. I probably wouldn't rent it to you. And so going forward, you should do that. And I said, on a, on a California lease, lease agreement, there's an area where a guarantor signs a lease agreement and you can go after them for lease payments. Right. So I said, just tell people the truth and you'll probably get in, right? People lie to me about animals. One guy that was a divorcee and he like needed a place to live when he was in town with his kids, but then he so he had like two housing payments, which would have been a flag. Okay, do you make enough money to have two housing payments, right? And then he didn't want to pay my deposit. And my deposit was first and last month's rent plus um, two months security deposit plus a pet deposit if he had pets. I love pets, but I required a pet deposit. And so the, the entire first payment was like going to be over $8,000 for anybody that moved in. Mm -hmm. And then it prorated based on the day you moved in for the rest of the month. So I, and then I put a clause in the lease agreement that said if, you for any reason stop paying and refuse to move out and do this because of like COVID related laws that allow you to do it, then you immediately forfeit the, your entire deposit mm -hmm. uh, and I can go after you for damages and, and lost rents. So they had a huge financial incentive not to stop paying rent, right? Because yeah. yeah. we never knew when the moratorium was going to end, mm -hmm. but an $8,500 deposit, you know, on a house you're paying $26 a month on, that lasts for over a quarter of the year. So you can go, okay, I've lost, you know, so I mean, so I, I tried to make it difficult for them. So I had guys going, can you lower your deposit? You know, I only want to pay like a one month deposit. Nope. Bet you did. Please. Yeah, no. really. <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not lower my deposit. Yeah. And I said, no, just, no, 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 no. It took me four months to get that thing rented out. But I rented it out to a really sweet gal. Her daughter contacted me. Her mom's moving back here from um, Nevada. And she said, um, she wanted to know if I had experience as a landlord. She like interviewed me. I said, yeah, I do. I have an in-law unit. I rented out to her. Do you live nearby? Yes, I do. What happens if there's a problem? I'm available. She can call you? Yes, she can. And you'll come over and fix the problem? I said, yes. Or I'll call somebody to come fix and I have a local handyman to come do all of So I, she said, okay. Anyways, so she pays the full deposit. I verified her assets. She had six figures in the bank. She had a good business. She made money, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, she signed the guarantor on the lease because mom didn't have a job. But also mom had a lot of money in the bank. And mom was really sweet. So she gets in there and she's been amazing. And she's called me like half a dozen times. I'm going over and fix things. And every time she comes, I come over, she goes, you're the best. You're just the best landlord. Mm. I just love having you around. And like, she's super sweet. She's great. Yeah. Pays on time every single month. But you know what? I, I look at that like I fought hard and I waited long to right. get her. Right. You know, I feel like, right. like she's a prize. You know what I mean? And she values me in a similar way, which is great. But that's my experience with long-term rentals. And I think in an environment like this, you have to be really picky with who you rent to. You do. And here's the deal. If you hire a property management company which to rent out a long-term rental in this market, I would say like absolutely don't do it for this one reason. They have to follow fair house. They have stricter laws that follow fair housing, et cetera. So basically the first qualified applicant that rents, that, that fills that application, they have to rent yeah. to. So they might not have found out that that couple that had the mom that was lying, I did that because I did my own research as a lender. I pulled property profile reports. I saw that she bought a house. I saw that she refinanced. I saw that she, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they would have rented out to probably somebody who might have put me in a position where they would have stopped paying rent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas I can size them up and go, I'm comfortable with you or I'm not comfortable with you because right. I don't think you're telling me the truth, whatever it is. And that's the thing you got to be, be leery of. Uh, so anyways, I'll digress. But it, it, that's my experience with long-term rentals. Well, so the, and how does how does your experience with long term compare to the Airbnb? Oh, I love the Airbnb satisfaction. Air, well, Airbnb just generates more money. <laughs> like yeah. if I were to do it again, I think when 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 Barbara moves out, and that's her name's Barbara. She moves out, which I'm going to let her renew, and I'm not going to raise her rents this year. She's just a, a joy to have in there. But when she moves out, uh, I'm probably going to furnish that 
house in Airbnb because I think that it'll generate a lot more money on Airbnb. I had people offering to rent from me long term so they could Airbnb it. So they thought there was enough money on it that they would make the margins. And that's wow. a, that's the thing people do. But it's it's right next to the hospital. It's in a great area of Concord. It's a five minute walk to downtown Salvio. So you know, to the Santos Plaza. Yeah. Um, I, I, I prefer Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sam, how are, we, how are we going on time? Yeah, good. Awesome. Uh, wow, this is some great information today. <laughs> Any other uh, questions that you guys have for this? Uh, this is such a... No, this is really... This, I'm, I find this really valuable. It's very valuable, especially because you have because that listing people, coming up. I do, but it's also, you know, people are looking for duplexes or, you know, something to rent out. And just because it's not there, this, just because it doesn't exist, doesn't mean it can't exist. Right. So right. knowing that um, a lot of counties, I'm good at it. Um, a lot of counties, cities are allowing for ADUs. They want more housing, and so they've they're much more lenient than what they used to be about additions and, right. and ADUs. So if you get a you know a, a single family home with a decent lot, it can always be added. So it's something that buyers want to kind of think about when they're looking. So that's let's talk about options for a minute. If you could go the route and, like Rob did, look for a home with an ADU already established, mm-hmm. that's going to cut you the cost of having to build it. But you were talking about you were going to do um, 70000 on a property is what you were anticipating. Was that finished? That's finished, and that's because this property had like some but, I'm sorry, work. let me just get in here. That is tremendous yeah. because if you think about it, if you're looking at duplexes, triplexes, these things could easily do 250 a unit, right. you know, value, right. 250000 oh, yeah. per unit. Oh, yeah. Right. Total. Easy. Easy. Right. So getting it at 70000 is huge, but that is within the original floor, pl- floor plan the original footprint, mm-hmm. right? Right. right? So you don't have to do the foundation. No. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do some of the other, but digging out is huge. Yeah. Digging yeah. out the lower level. So, so, I mean, so basically, I mean, your best value is not necessarily duplexes and triplexes at this point. It's, it's homes that can, that you Honestly, can add ADUs and things like that. And every home that I look at, and I'm looking right now in the Saranac area of Walnut Creek, because I grew up there, I really want to buy there. And I'm looking at, all the houses that come on there, it's just looking for a configuration where you can easily add that. Like, right. this right. one can be easily added because the previous owner was a contractor and he dug out the basement with seven foot ceilings. I have to dig down as much as you had a floor. It's not, it's not told seven, eight feet, but um, he was going to build like a shop, like a wood shop. Yeah. And, and I saw it and I was like, great, that's that's my ADU. <laughs> There's <laughs> right. homes here on these two streets that right. have done the same thing. Yeah. But nobody There's one home that. here that I know of that has more space downstairs in the former basement than there is upstairs. Mm-hmm. Really? Two bedroom upstairs, yeah. three bedrooms downstairs. And the thing is, nobody mm-hmm. looks at this like that. No, exactly. For a hundred days. What if there was a property that was a large home that was a little rundown, needed some love? What if it was a 1,900, 2,000 square foot property that you could put up a wall, had a separate entrance, yes. had water accessible right there, you can create a second unit totally. within that. That's yeah. what Amy yeah. always told me, be, be on the lookout for mm-hmm. right. the potential. Right. And, and what if you are in, not necessarily a city, but in county areas where they're not going to give you as much grief? Super right. smart. Right. Yeah. And unincorporated areas. So the reason yeah. this is so easy is because California introduced an ADU law some years ago, I think it was around 2017, 2015. And then in 2018, they amended the ADU law to say that cities cannot regulate certain things. So they can't regulate more than four foot setbacks, which Mm -hmm. means you can build a detached up to four feet away from your property line. They can't require you to have a separate super lateral or utility hookup or meter, meaning you can just connect off the existing water, you know, sewer and- and Well, that's huge. That saves a lot of money. Yeah. They can't require covered parking. So cities didn't used to want this because they didn't want spaces to get crowded. Mm -hmm. So they'd say, oh, you have to have covered parking. Oh, you have to have a separate sewer lateral. Why? For one toilet, I've got to have a whole other sewer lateral? None of it made sense. And now, like the state of California said, no, we're in a housing shortage crisis. Cities can't regulate. And you'll call cities. You, like I call conference. Yes, and they still do. And they tried. They were like, no, this, 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 and this. And I said, I don't think you're right. Have you read the new ADU amendment? And they, well, no, I've looked at it a little bit. I said, okay. So I called my architect, Domum, architects in Sacramento, and they said, no, we're we're very familiar with educating cities on this. And they submit the plans, and they call the city. Wow. And they go, hey, 
we're sending this and this works for this, 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 and this reason. If you have a problem with that, let us know. But this law is why it works and you cannot enforce anything above and beyond that. Right. And they, wow. they pushed it through and the state, the city of Concord did not want me to get permitted right. for what I wanted to do. And they were forced to do it because my architectural firm showed them that it was the law. Yeah. Is that amazing? That's yes. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Normally somebody would have just stopped there. there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. God, that's crazy. And they wanted to charge me like like twenty five thousand dollars in in fees. Permits. Yes. And my contractor came back and said, "No, uh, this has been overestimated. The cost to build all this is like about two hundred fifty thousand in total. Like they were thinking it was gonna be like five hundred grand. So my fees got dropped to like nine grand. Oh my god. Yeah. And it, they were talking about permit fees. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And part of the permit fees were like the cost to build. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are interesting. Cool. Yeah. That is so cool. So there's opportunities out there. There's a lot of opportunities to be there is to be had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and I love the idea of you know buying properties that have potential to add mm -hmm. ADUs and in-law units and things like that. I mean, basements and above the garage. These are so. Let me tell you about one real quick that I really wanted to buy, but I just wasn't in a place cash-wise to do it. My money's all tied up in this flip in Oakland. It's on two seven four nine Kinney Drive in Walnut Creek. It's in Saranac area of Walnut Creek. Like beautiful home, super dated, super old. Some of it's light and bright, got some little updates here and there. I love super dated. Yeah. My I do too. I, do. I love it. I love That's it. That's right. My clients get so excited about turnkey, and I'm like, we can do this in two weeks. In two weeks, we could completely create this space. Yes. And it had an ADU in the basement. It's a two bedroom, one bath up top with beautiful kitchen, beautiful ADU in the basement. And then you go to the back, there was this long lot, this long rectangle lot. And halfway through the backyard, it had a fence dividing the backyard with a little gate. Mm. Well, the bells go off. Mm -hmm. yes. Detached ADU, detached ADU, you know, private walkway. But I already had the two units, so immediately I did I did rental comps. I'm going to generate like 4000 a month on that basement ADU. 4000 a month. Wow. Just on the basement. Just on the basement. Wow. Live upstairs, build the detached, and then be sitting pretty. But, like, I just didn't have the money to put it all together. But yeah. that's, the, that's the, you know. And people don't know about this stuff. No. Yeah. No, and they don't think about it. They don't think about it. It yeah, sat on the market. Sentence, yeah. It went past the offer date and no offers came in. It just went pending after 33 and days. Like, what do you people do? Oh, seriously. Yeah. It's right. It's a long period, but it's not bad schools. Right. People yeah. mm -hmm. kill to get in that area. Wow. And they can do it for free if they knew how to do it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But awesome. yeah, that's it right there. They can do it for free mm -hmm. if they knew how to do it right. Yeah, totally. yeah. That's totally. right. You need one of our agents to get you get you in the right uh, <laughs> you know, in the right space. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had a great yeah, conversation. This was, this, so this was super fun. Yeah. And poor Jamie missed it. Ah, uh, we're missing. Jamie, we yeah, missed poor Jamie. So we're missing poor Jamie because she's in Vegas. Poor Jamie. <laughs> yeah, poor Jamie. She's having a great time in Vegas. So uh, anyway, uh, I think it's about time to wrap up. Um, gosh, I thank you, Rob. and. Our new agents, Lisa and Amy and Katrina, of course. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. We will um, be doing this uh, next season and uh, looking forward to some really cool topics, really cool places to really do good our wine. really good wine. Yes. <laughs> so, are these like seasons like fall, summer, winter? Are they fiscal or are they calendar? What's next season? You know what? I, I, you know, I don't, I mean, we did, we did 10 episodes this season, right? It was yeah. 10 episodes so this for, this, for this year and kind of our, you know, we, we, sort of learn how to do the podcast thing and now we're you know i think we're pretty good at it i mean we're, are we gonna have a holiday podcast where we get drunk and we're drinking oh, asses well, that'll be a mini episode i'm, I'm yeah. down yeah i'm, I'm down with after, that. after hours after hours yeah maddox after hours we yeah. can talk about the uh berkeley marina stories oh. yeah. yeah yeah anyway uh <laughs> so anyway no i'm looking forward to it so thank you everybody for uh for being here and um obviously thank you sam joe thank you for everything so I, I had a really good time doing this podcast thank you sam for introducing us to this whole experience he's yeah. our opportunity yeah he's our uh, producer and he he's great so anyway all right all right everybody happy new year thank you for listening to the maddox podcast thank you to our producer sam loveman of painless podcast for helping make this podcast possible we started this podcast so we could share our real estate insights, as well as provide our listeners with a chance to get to know the Maddox team. Our goal is to make our clients' real estate sale or purchase as simple as possible, allowing them to sit back while we handle the hard work. To learn more about what we do or to look up resources about the Bay Area communities, visit our website at maddoxrealestate.com 
or give us a call at 510-993-0688.